0: God, to be with Dallas as he brings the message, to be with our hearts as as we open to your word and as we soften to your word, Lord. Reach into us. Take the bad out. Put the good in. Help us to be a better church to this community. Help us to be a better person in our workplace and in our homes. God, it's in your great name that we pray. Amen. Kids, if you would like to transition down to the the barn, uh, I know they're waiting on you and they're excited. Have a good time. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Weather changed on us quick, didn't it? Just like that. So, gets me excited about the season. Thanksgiving coming up, and then Christmas, which it's already Christmas time in my house. But I don't know about you all. Probably not. But that's okay. Hey, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I would love the opportunity after the service to uh, to meet you. I'm one of the leaders here at Grace Meadows. Uh, We've been doing a series called In East Tennessee As It Is in Heaven where we're trying to answer the question, what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God here and now on earth? And last week we looked at Colossians 3 and we looked at verses 1 through 17 and it was this idea of trading our reactive responses of our old life, the things that come natural to us, our impulsive thoughts, and taking a step back and trading those for reflective responses. The idea of saying, hey, I'm in a a new kingdom, I have a new life, I don't respond that way anymore. I take a step back and I look at the Jesus response and I reflect His response in my life. And we talked about one way to grow in that is through spiritual practices, and we talked through some of those Uh, last week as well and this week I would love to expand a little bit deeper into this area. Now to start I want you to think about the person maybe closest to you in your life. What would that person say defines your life? Are there two or three characteristics that you can think of that that person would maybe describe your life as? Think, Think about that for just a second. Take a second to think about that. Now, no matter how scary that answer might be, it is probably nothing compared to the early church in Corinth, the, what they were defined by. Uh, this church was, uh, they, they accepted the grace of Jesus, but they used his grace to essentially do what they wanted to do. Um, they would meet together and they would stand up and they would shout over each other because they felt like their spiritual gifts were better than the person talking. So they uh, so they had a lot of pride. They were defined by that. And their sexual ethic was uh, not really much different than the rest of the world. They were defined by many things that were not so good. So Paul writes a letter to them, and he actually writes two. Like Actually, he writes a lot more than just two. He has a lot of follow-up letters to to encourage them in the ways of Jesus, but he writes this big, long letter in 1 Corinthians trying to encourage them, hey, those are the things of the old life. The things of the new life are these, and he he writes throughout the new things of Jesus, but in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 11 through 13, he says this. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror, then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Verse 13, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, For context, essentially what he's saying is that uh, we can know in part what it is to live in the kingdom of God, but not fully until the day that Jesus comes. But what he's also saying is this currently is kingdom living to its fullest, to allow the three things that remain to be faith, to be hope, and to be love. And I think for us, as we close this series out today, it is our goal, living in the kingdom, to allow faith, hope, and love to be the characteristics that we are defined by moving forward, living life in the kingdom. So I'd love to take today just to process through uh, what these three things are and how we can apply those more fully to our lives. Uh, Let's start with faith. What is faith? Uh, The great thing about faith is this is a great example of what we talked about week one, where we talked about the character of God and the power of God Working and flowing together. Faith is leaning into the character of God through confidence. And it is also receiving the spiritual gift of faith that he so graciously granted to us. Now, I want us to think of faith, like we talked about week one, as confidence. That every time you see that word faith, replace it with confidence. Why? Because it's different to ask, how's your confidence doing versus how's your faith doing, isn't it? Because confidence is sort of an active thing. It's in the moment. It creates sort of a hierarchy of where your mind is at in that moment. Whereas faith at times can feel more like a grand scheme. You might say, well, I'm putting stock in all these other things, but I still have faith. No, to think of it as confidence, it's this moment. Where is your confidence? Is your confidence in the things of the flesh, in our uh, earthly desires, or is it on things above. That's the character part. And I think for us to grow in our character is to have confidence in what Jesus is doing in our lives. Now again, faith is also a spiritual gift that he's granted to us. And now to me, that's a relief because there's times where I'm not feeling all that confident when things come up. So we can ask for him to impart his power, His spiritual gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, He goes through the spiritual gifts. And in verse 9, it shows us that faith is one of those spiritual gifts that He grants to us. So it's leaning into His character through confidence, through looking at the provisions that He's given us over our lives to reflect on the Scriptures, to lean into confidence, and to ask Him to increase our faith. Uh, Matthew seventeen, nineteen and twenty says this. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? talking about driving out a demon. It says, Because Jesus says, Because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, as far as we know, Jesus never literally moved mountains. In his ministry, we know he did things like move mountains. But the point is, watch what God will do taking just a little bit of your confidence in him. Watch how he can take off with it if we have just a little bit of confidence in him. And if you don't have that confidence, then you can ask and he will grant it to you. And that character and power will be working and flowing together again. He also says this in Uh, Matthew 13, verse 31 and 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of all garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. See, if our lives are marked by just a little bit of faith, God will take that faith And he'll continue to grow it, and he'll continue to grow it, and he'll continue to grow it. And we may not even notice what he's doing or the fact that it is growing. But over time, we reflect, we look back, and we say, Wow, God has really taken that seed of faith, and it has grown roots in my life. He is so gracious to grant us faith. I want us to remember when it comes to faith that we don't have to muster it up. We can ask. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, he so graciously imparts to us the gift of faith. Y'all, for us to live life fully in the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, it is for us to embrace faith. Faith. Second one is um, uh, hope. What is hope? Hope is the anticipation of good. Hope is the anticipation of good ahead. Uh, in Romans fifteen thirteen, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you see how faith and hope work together here. And also how hope is leaning into the character of God and the power of God as well. That he is the God of hope. Do you ever stop to just think that God is a God of hope? Have you ever just thought about that? I mean, for me, I don't think about that a whole lot. But the reality is, if it were not so, (laughs) we'd better duck and run for cover. I mean, think about it. If the self-existent God of the universe is not hopeful, then we've got to give in to fear but because he is hopeful, because he anticipates good, he joyously, excitedly anticipates good, then man, we can lean into that. And we can too. That he gets excited about the idea of families being reconciled together. That he gets excited about children growing in their knowledge and love for him. Things like men leaning into Loving and affirming their families. Man, he gets excited about those things. Things like women leaning into confidence instead of the insecurity like the enemy likes to use. Man, God just loves to excitedly anticipate good to come. So consequently, we can lean into hope as well. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess For he who promised is faithful. To be a people marked by hope, man, that is so good for our souls, is it not? To be marked by hope. One truth that hit me this week is that God doesn't owe me a single thing. The fact that I don't know where I've gotten this in my life, that I've just expected things And consequently, when I expect them, and they do come, I hardly notice. And the fact remains that if we want to be a people who excitedly anticipate good, then we've got to first recognize good when it happens. To wake up in the morning is to experience good things that we've hoped what would it look like for us to be a people that we wake up in the morning and our eyes open and we say, God, thank you To you give me another day here. To, to be in this room together as believers and worship, man, this is God fulfilling the things that we have hoped would happen. So we reflect on good and then we get excited as we anticipate good. And I'm not sure why It ever has to be about us in the first place either. It's another thing I've learned this week. That I can excitedly anticipate good if it has nothing to do with me at all. Whether I have a second left on this earth or a thousand years, whatever the case may be, I want to excitedly anticipate good whether it has anything to do with me or not. That's living in the kingdom. Why? Because... Our hope transcends ourselves. Our hope transcends our life on earth. Because our hope is Jesus. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now connect that to Colossians 3 that we read last week. That we have new life in Christ... It is hidden in Christ, and he's bringing us into a new living hope. So whatever we might face, we can excitedly anticipate good. Why? Because he is our hope, and he will never disappoint, because his resurrection is forever. Hope doesn't have to do, have to do uh, with us at all. It has to do with him and what he's doing. So we can have hope on earth, in his kingdom, or... In heaven, in his kingdom, we can always be a people who excitedly anticipate good. A couple practices that may be helpful here is, uh, remember what we talked about last week, that when you think a new thought, it is like you're wading through a jungle, and you've got a machete, and you're just kind of hacking away at a path to that thought. But if you go to it again, it's easier to go to that. And then when you go to it again, it's easier and it's easier. And before you know it, you've paved a path to that thought. If we can become a people who really do see God as the hopeful God that he is, man, that's going to do wonders for us. And then two, to ask the question, God, how can I come alongside of you and anticipate good with you? And if you want to do this thing with me or if you're just taking it on or whatever, I want to just be excited about what you're doing regardless. Let us be a people where hope is one of the things that remain in our lives, living in the kingdom of God. And the last one and the greatest one is love. Now, I don't feel like I need to re- redefine this one. Uh, as we are in First Corinthians today, we'll let uh, Paul define it. But again, by the way, is it not so cool that God defines what love is through Paul? I mean, think about it. It's only through the Holy Spirit. Paul did not merit this. Paul was a dude that was killing Christians, and then now he's saying, Hey, love is patient. Love is kind. Right? This is a Holy Spirit intervention. He says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Man. Love is so important, in fact, that John would say in 1 John that God is love. That God is love. And so if our lives are hidden in Christ with God, then our lives must reflect love. And there are different types of love, but the Bible refers mostly to this agape love, which is to seek the benefit of others. Now, in order to do that, we first got to understand that God truly does want to seek our benefit. Do we realize that this morning, that God wants to seek our benefit? Not to seek the things that we want, necessarily, but to seek our benefit. And so, for us to love is to seek the benefit of others. This is what it is to love. And if it's not seeking someone else's benefit, it's not love. Like we say things like, I love ice cream. We don't love ice cream. We're not seeking the benefit of ice cream. Right, We want to eat ice cream. So for me in my life, I will probably never love ice cream because I will not be seeking its benefit to exist. To, to love is to seek the benefit of others. Now there are times where you must decide whose benefit you are going to seek. The fact that you might have to harm the abuser on behalf of the abused, that is still loving. And if you are the one being abused, that is still loving. Or you may go off to war on behalf of the people that you care about at home, that is still loving. But love is to, when possible, seek the benefit of every person involved. So to protect against any kind of tribalistic nature or to ask the question that the law expert did as to say to Jesus, now, who is my neighbor? Like, is it everybody? Do I have to love everybody? In order for us to avoid thinking that way, we've got to realize that love is to seek the benefit of everyone involved in the situation as much as possible. Now, we've also got to recognize that we cannot invent love. That if we are struggling to extend love, then we've got to go back to the source who first loved us. Uh, In John 13, Jesus says, As I've loved you, love one another. All we do to love is to take what's been given to us and place that in the lives of other people. And when we find ourselves not being able to do that, we don't white knuckle it and try harder, we go back to the source. Like Matt talked about a few Wednesday nights ago, we go back to the well. We go back to that place. Maybe we go all the way back to when we first realized that He truly does love us. And we reflect. And we receive His love so that we can give that to others. Y'all, because He is the perfect source which all good things flow from. Is He not? I think one of the most pressing questions we got to ask ourselves is this, am I becoming the kind of person who is learning love, thus becoming the kind of person who has an increasing capacity to love? What might be keeping us from loving here today? Is it a lack of understanding of his true nature? And I I think it's within our grasp to understand the character of God and lean into this Um, And here's the thing. I think the the biggest deficit that we have is our understanding of God. That we don't truly know and cling to the true character of God often. You've heard the saying that knowledge is power. And that's true, right? Uh, Typically, knowledge is power. If you look at the ability to create nuclear weapons... That is knowledge creating power. And for us, in our lives, if we know the source, the the greatest power that there is, God, if we know His true character is love, if we lean into learning more intellectually about this love, then we can start to receive this love as well. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. Knowledge is a great thing. I think it gets a bad rap because by itself... It can do nothing unless it takes root. But we must have knowledge as well. And I think the flip side is also true. If we don't know the character of God, then we cannot lean into love, can we? That if we don't take the time to learn this love that comes from Him, we can't lean into it either. I think the best thing we can do for ourselves and for the people around us is to truly show that God is a joyful, loving Father. Someone who loves us so much that He will seek our benefit and then allow us to not choose Him at the end of the day. That if our desire is to live the rest of our existence without Him, that He allows us to do that but while we're here he continues to leave no stone unturned as his spirit sort of woos us and the kingdom of God is all around us and he continues to pursue our hearts and then at the end of the day he says the choice is yours this is love this is love his allowing people to spend eternity apart from him is still love it's still love and I think learning to love the way that God loves, guys, I, I'm not sure we can even measure the impact that will have in this room and in this community. Let us be a people who are marked by faith, by hope, and by love. Now, I want to say one more thing on this. This message today is not for us to go and make sure we do these things. This message is for us to reflect on what it is our lives are being characterized by. Because again, we can't just go white knuckle it and be more faithful and have more hope and be more loving. We have got to go back to the source and let Him help us become the kind of people who are leaning into faith, who are hopeful, and who are loving as well. Paul said, look, I've put the childish ways behind me. It is time to move into our new kingdom, our new life more fully. And that is putting away the old things behind. Um, As we wrap up this series, I, I want us to embrace that this is not the end of something, that this is the beginning of something that we are to be marked as Christians, as people who live in the kingdom of God, that if we can embrace the character of God and the power of God in our lives, taking root and flowing together, if we can lean into the idea of self-denial in favor of this new life in Jesus, if we can... uh, Lean into these spiritual practices that we talked about last week and, and say, Okay, I'm going to consciously, time after time, I know I've responded this way to things for so long, but I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to start the process, the slow process of responding in my new life. And if we can be a people marked by faith, by hope, and by love, then we will more fully enter into the kingdom of God and enjoy life in this kingdom as the worship team comes forward i'd love to just conclude with this what does it look like for you to take your next step into the kingdom of god because like we just sang about a minute ago death does not have any grip in this kingdom that worry doesn't have a grip that nothing from the old life has a grip on this new kingdom and if we can embrace this truth here on earth, we can live on this kingdom now. Right now, we can live in this kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that, that you make a way, um, that you're so gracious that we come to you in humility and you just see us there you meet us there and you help us and so father i pray that if there's anybody here who is struggling to receive you as the good news you are that they you know there's still other kingdoms at, at play in their lives that they just they're clinging to and they feel like they can't get out of out of those situations that they can't embrace the new life in your kingdom father i pray that you will uh, just help us father we need your help Father, we know if there's one thing we've learned over the past month in this series, it's that we need you. That if we're doing things on our own, it becomes more of a legalistic task than it does relationally connecting and growing in your kingdom. And so, Father, I pray that your power will be present in our lives as we go here. Father, I thank you for the strength to speak this message. I thank you for the strength to be with believers today. I thank you for your provisions over our lives because you've been so good to us. And Father, help us to be a people that take ourselves out of it and just say, God, whatever you have next, I'm just so excited about it because you are good and you're going to continue to do good things. Father, help us to just get rid of whatever it is. That keeps us from embracing new life fully in this kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.